Hey there. Welcome to this bonus episode of Rethinking Wellness. I'm Christy, and my guest today is Leah Kern, a fellow anti-diet dietitian who returns to discuss how health-conscious people can keep from getting pulled into harmful aspects of wellness culture, how to avoid wellness traps if you're interested in environmental issues and sustainability, and the wellnessy practices she still enjoys even though she's critical of wellness culture. This is a free preview of a longer episode for paid subscribers. To hear the full episode, subscribe at rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Now, without any further ado, here's my bonus interview with Leah Kern. So Leah, welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around for this bonus episode. Of course, I'm excited to see what questions come through. Yeah. One question I had that you know, I'm just always curious to hear people's thoughts on, but I think particularly for you because of how your healing has gone and sort of becoming critical of wellness culture as you are, are there any wellnessy practices that you still find helpful or enjoyable and relate to differently and more critically now that you've sort of seen wellness culture for what it is? Oh, I love that. Hmm. Probably the, the first one that jumps to my brain is yoga. It just feels lovely to like stretch and breathe and go to a class and be in community with other people. But it really depends on the teacher. And I'm actually like struggling to find someone here that I like. I just moved to California, not just, it's been nine months, but I had a teacher who I loved in in New York. And it really depends. Like sometimes they cross the line of being a little too wellnessy for what's comfortable for me. And then other times it's just like a lovely experience and I try to like suss out teachers so that I know what I'm getting into, but it's hard to explain, but it's like something that it, it just feels like you can tell the difference between a teacher who is authentic and there to facilitate and be like, be sort of like a vessel for the class to kind of come through versus this te- this type of teacher who I've totally encountered where it feels like more performative and it feels like it's about them showing their stuff and their cute little matching set in the front of the room. Have you seen the show, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Oh, yes. Yes, totally. Okay. I haven't seen it, but my friend showed me like a clip from it and it's like a little musical thing where it's like, I'm so good at yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that? I did. Yes. That's hilarious. So that's like what I think of. And, And that's where it almost like that feels associated with wellness culture to me. But then other times, as I'm saying, it's lovely and it doesn't feel wellnessy. So yeah, that's definitely one practice that comes to mind. I guess other things, like I actually had this thought this morning. I'm sitting here with my cup of tea. When I was in deep into wellness culture, I was like guzzling green tea, like a crazy person. That was something that I had learned somewhere along the way that was like necessary for wellness, having green tea. And now I still enjoy green tea, but it's not from this place of I have to drink it. It's like, ooh, something more bitter sounds nice alongside my more like sweet breakfast or like a sweet, I don't know, biscotti or shortbread or something. So it's more from a place of satisfaction and taste of, oh, the contrast sounds lovely versus a prescriptive, like you need to be doing this to to cleanse your body type thing. Or, or a, a, they always said like to burn stubborn fat. That's what I always heard about green tea. It was very much like this more, I don't know, obligatory action versus, oh, that sounds lovely. And so, yeah, that's another one that comes to mind. I love that. That's really interesting too, because I think for me, like yoga and meditation have definitely been things that have been a constant 
And similarly, I've had to like find the right teachers and learn to practice in a way that was not so wellnessy. But tea, I hadn't even thought about as something that you can kind of circle back to. And and yeah, there's so much emphasis on green tea and wellness culture and, and like, you know, using it in diety ways. So that's nice that you've been able to reclaim your relationship with that. Yeah. And I think I said this when you were on my podcast, like there's little things that maybe aren't like wellness culture, but that I'm aware are like overblown sometimes the benefits. I got a facial with a friend for a birthday gift. And the woman who's doing the facial is like telling me about all the products and what they do and how come I need all of them and everything. And I was just like, yes, 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 yes. Like (laughs) keep telling me about this because the facial feels lovely. So there's, I think that sentiment of taking things with a grain of salt when there's like a practice that like is sort of being like advertised as like all these benefits has kind of transferred over to, to things beyond what might be conventionally considered wellness. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's such a great approach too, is like being skeptical and being, you know, just having your boundaries, even when somebody is trying to sell you on something and like appreciating the aspects of it that you appreciate, but not getting sucked in, which I mean, kind of goes back to our conversation about like vulnerability on the the main podcast where we were talking about certain times in people's lives, they can be so vulnerable to these kinds of pitches and to being part of a community or like having the desire for community translate into following all these other rigid practices because that's what people in the community are doing. And I feel like when people are vulnerable like that, I think it's easy to be sucked in. And I think it's easier to be skeptical and easier to create those boundaries when you're not as vulnerable and when you're not as kind of searching or seeking for something, you know? Yeah, that's such a good point. Like if I had, if I was in a, just going back to the facial example, like if I was in a state of having really intense acne and skin flare ups, I might be like, oh my God, tell me everything. Yes. Like what should I buy? What should I do? But having right now at this season of life, the privilege of not really dealing with with acne or skin issues, I was able to much more be like, yeah, okay. Like, so yeah, I think that you bring up such a good point depending on how susceptible you are. It can really impact how critically you think. Yeah. Which is another reason I think that we're all in the soup and we're all potentially susceptible. Like it's not just, I was talking to Rena Raphael who wrote the book, The Gospel of Wellness about this recently. Yes, I read that, yeah. Yeah, we both have had this experience of like getting interested in the skeptical movement, but then being kind of turned off by sort of prominent skeptics tone and like way of delivering information where it makes people feel like they're stupid for buying in. And I think I certainly, and Rena said this too, like we don't feel like we're stupid and yet we bought in and we got sucked in and many of our friends and many of our colleagues and many people that I've interviewed on the podcast, like who are all smart, thoughtful people and oftentimes critical thinkers in their way and yet end up getting sucked into wellness culture because of personal need or um, vulnerability or something that's not being served to them in the conventional healthcare system or you know, just a need that's not being met in their life. So I think it's important to acknowledge that and to, you know, to recognize like we're we're all potentially vulnerable. Like I wrote a book about, you know, critiquing wellness culture. I do this podcast. And yet I feel like as much as I'm a critical thinker and try to like teach other people critical thinking and also try to be compassionate in my skepticism, I could be sucked in again at any moment, depending on what happens in my life, you know? So just trying to have that sort of humility about it, I think is is important for me too. Yeah, I remember you sharing on my podcast about, was it acupuncture during your pregnancy journey? Laser acupuncture, which is like such a weird 
esoteric thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I could see myself doing that if I was in a similar boat, like, right. I'm, I haven't yet ventured into having kids, but it's definitely something that I want for my life. And if I was in that vulnerable state of really wanting to, to get pregnant and there were struggles and they said there were things I could do, I would certainly, you know, weigh the benefits. I wouldn't start having food restrictions because as an intuitive eating dietitian and a person with a history of disordered eating, I know that that won't be supportive because that will lead to stress and stress isn't supportive for fertility. But I would, I could definitely see myself entertaining things that I sort of feel like, you know, what do I have to lose? Right. And at some level, it's like, okay, what do I have to lose? Maybe it's money, but is it anything beyond that? If not, maybe that's okay. But I think it's when it gets into something that is potentially sucking you deeper into a problematic place or, you know, taking you into other, like leading you to other practices that might not be so benign. That's when it becomes a little fraught. Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. What have other people answered? What kind of things are you hearing? I hear from a lot of people, yoga, meditation, stuff like that. I heard one person say Reiki, Pooja Lakshmi and talked about Reiki where, you know, she's like, it's, it's very woo woo, but it, it's like relaxing. It's a way to just like lie on a table and have someone pay loving attention to you for an hour. And like as a stressed out person and a new mom, I just need that escape, you know? And I think, yeah, when you can sort of see it for what it is and see like the positives of something without getting sucked into all the rhetoric around it then maybe it can just be that nice, lovely thing. I mean, it's nice that for you with the facial, you were getting pitched, but it didn't feel bad. It was kind of just like this person talking at you while they were doing a nice thing to your face. Or you're like, sure, keep going, you know? But like when it slips over into a pitch that detracts from the experience, maybe that's harder. Totally. I I have a dear friend who, she lives in a larger body and she was recently getting a massage. And she was like, Leah, the way this woman was talking to me while she was massaging me, like low-key being like, you would lose weight if you ate this and did that and have sea moss. And she has a lot of experience in advocating for herself and anti-diet culture and, you know, all of this work. She's my best friend and she's gone through her own intuitive eating journey. And still that's, that sucks like to, to be shamed like that while you're supposed to be having a nice experience. I mean, her, her experience was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep talking lady. Like this is a great massage, (laughs) but totally. I mean, I think that kind of does happen because you're already in like a susceptible state because they're like already doing work on you. So you're almost like, and I think about that with yoga too. Like they kind of have this, I don't know, like said power in that they're facilitating, whether they're like leading the class, doing the facial, doing the massage, that it can kind of open channels that might make you more susceptible than you otherwise would be. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. I think that susceptibility versus the ability to set boundaries, you know, because a lot of these practices do like break down our boundaries in some ways. And so it makes it harder to resist or to see something for what it is when somebody's, you know, trying to get you to do something that might not feel good to you. Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit, I another thing I wanted to talk about from the main episode was that we were talking about how environmental issues and sustainability and sort of crunchiness can be like this pipeline into wellness culture and and wellness traps, right? But I'm curious from your perspective, like if someone is interested in those things, those sustainability, the environment, nature, you know, all of those things are great, right? But how do you think people can have an interest in those things and pursue it without falling into wellness traps, without being susceptible? You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. 
That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. 